let the hogs out. Welcome to Hog Planet. It's a midweek episode. Uh, surprise. Uh, we have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash hog planet. And uh, what else do we want to plug, Sam, off the top? Yeah, follow the hog Instagram at hog planet podcast on Instagram. Lots of good content on there and news about our upcoming you know, releases and everything like that. Live streams every Friday. Big time. Every Friday we're doing live streams. We haven't missed a Friday yet since we announced it. There were two. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, again, this is Dan Spaventa, joined by Sam Lewis, and we are joined by our man in Kentucky, uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Brendan Stipes. Brendan, how you doing? Dan, Sam, thank you. And, uh, and if I might say, I'm a, I'm a Hog Planet fan, and as we say to each other on the message boards, uh, suey, suey. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brendan, before we get into the serious stuff, uh, not Sirius XM. Uh, yes. We, Brendan and I work to, have worked together at multiple jobs. Uh, you know, we kind of met just randomly getting sat next to each other at a really shitty day job when we were, you know, very young. And then uh, we're still friends. And uh, we still work together. We're still colleagues. But Temp job. Temp job, let's say, too. I would like you to describe the uh, pornographic responsibilities you had at the, at the temp job. Yeah, uh, I guess a little round on where we worked together it was, uh, uh, I guess, a distribution platform for cable top boxes called In Demand. In Demand, <laughs> In demand. demand. My responsibility at that job was quality control and uh, come to find out after being hired that on Mondays I was to control the quality of hotel pornography <laughs> every morning, 9 a.m. on my desk waiting for me. I mean, braver than the troops, I got to say. What, what were some of the titles, uh, Brendan? Oh, off the top of my head, uh, let's see. We had Wild Bimbos Unleashed, finally breaking their chains of uh, <laughs> oppression. They were unleashed. Uh, Milf Kebab was a, Milf probably kebab. my favorite. <laughs> kebab. Oh, the implication, so evocative. I would like to see the print, the prequel to that Bimbos one called like Bimbos Chained, like, like Prometheus just having vultures eat out their liver over and over the, again. The prequel trilogy was the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, I just wanted to have that on Hog Planet. You, you can understand. Um, but Brendan, you're in Kentucky. Sam and I are coastal elites in, in New York and D.C. Um, <laughs> you've been quarantined with family in Kentucky. Uh, you're usually a New Yorker at this point, but what what the hell's going on down there yes. i mean there's there's got we don't even know tell us uh so it's a typical uh, this george floyd death as we've all seen nationally i think has seemed perhaps it what's the word stickier uh, uh past incidents really kind of be the straw that breaks the camel's back so agrees i should disclaim also kentucky's at as midwest as it is south of, if you look us up on a math on a map, we're not Dixie by any means, but uh, we share roots with Tennessee as well as Ohio, Indiana, the Midwest. Um, the response down here has been, of course, cops are a problem. They stop short of saying that they are an especial problem for the black community. Uh, if I can shed light into why that occurs in Kentucky, Kentucky has consistently been, as long as I've been around, amongst the top five poorest states in the union, I believe the least productive state in the union for a couple of years running. 
Um, meanwhile, our, our Senator Mitch McConnell is supposedly the greatest leadership we've ever had. Um, exactly. Oink. Uh, if I may say. Oink. Yeah. Uh, but the, that was, so the point being, Kentucky's poverty has led to, uh, on some level, an equalization of sorts. Dan, I've told stories uh, of my brother uh, at Sirius. He's been involved in the culture of, of this kind of stuff in terms of the, the, the drug epidemic that swept Kentucky uh, uh, and of maybe conservative. He's basing it on what he sees, and that is that because everybody is so poor together, white privilege doesn't really have a chance to manifest down here, if that makes sense. And do you mind if we say, uh, you know, your brother's experiences were shaped by being incarcerated himself? Yes, no, that's, a, that's an important thing to say. He was incarcerated, and his point of view is shaped by that. I guess the specific point being there is amongst his group, there are no racial lines, really. Everybody is, is, is participating in, let's call it the shadow economy in that way. And it's not really divided amongst racial lines here because everybody is doing it because U.S. dollars are not really the available currency down here. The available currency is trading uh, uh, this many uh, uh, controlled substances for this amount of tea. So people know trades down here. So I'll hang your drywall for this many, like said, let's say Percocets and this much tea. That's a fine self-contained system for the citizens. And cops are seen as coming in and fucking with the only system that works, that they have. That is what is in the escalation. Um, my brother was sentenced and he was sentenced harsher than any of his uh, peers or contemporaries. And they spanned all the racial lines. So in his experience, what white privilege? I say that privilege exists when opportunities start to manifest in a way that they maybe don't hear. When everybody has nothing, it's harder to see the privilege. I think that's an important thing to discuss in terms of de-escalation when tensions get high. As you know, political conversations, tensions get high quick. That's a point to make, I think. But don't you think you're, what you're saying is, I think, is that it's important to not, uh, not disentangle like the racial conversation from the class conversation. In my opinion, a lot of the prejudices that I see down here from black to white the, the culture, the culture is overlaps so heavily that the only reason that they're not interacting with each other is because they think that it's been told to them that they are so separate. It's interesting coming from the North. I mean, Dan and I are both in New York and DC, New York, and I think New York in particular, but also DC are both heavily segregated based on race. Um, the segregation is classed, meaning that um, it's on history too. That's just how those neighborhoods came about. Yeah, right. no. And it's, um, I mean, it's how they came about, but it was also, I mean, there, there are very, there are like very real racialized um, structures that allowed that to happen. In New York, redlining made it, you know, very difficult for black, for black people in certain exactly. neighborhoods to get home loans um, and push them to certain neighborhoods. DC, I think, has a similar history, but it also is, it's close to the South. Um, it borders, you know, former slave states. I'm sure you guys are right on Virginia. Exactly right. No, so that's the one, that's the one in particular I'm thinking about. The former, you know, head of the Confederacy. So uh, here, it's, I mean, it's different. And um, while I'm sure that there are still like disparities that are racialized in Kentucky, I think it is interesting to get that perspective on like you know if the whole state is so poor in like like I said in D.C. 
the eastern side of DC and including the suburbs in Maryland are um, overwhelmingly black. And then the um, on the west side of DC, you know, the the Tony neighborhoods in in Washington as well as the western suburbs in Virginia and Maryland are both overwhelmingly white and super and and much wealthier. And even even if you look at a map of like a, a satellite map of DC. You can see what that looks like. Um, the western side of DC is that's where Rock Creek Park is. That's where like these leafy, tony kind of neighborhoods are. That and there's lots of public parks, and it's just a green. It's green for lack of a better word. Whereas on the other side, it's much less. Uh, it's much less leafy. There are much fewer big parks and stuff like that. So um, you can you can really see that difference. And I think it's interesting to get a perspective from Kentucky where um, even though, like I said, there are definitely still racial disparities that exist, it's not exactly the same um, as it is in New York or DC where it's so heavily like enforced by redlining, by the, you know, the history of both places and also just by, uh, you know, current day prejudices, I guess. Sure, and that's, that's of course not to say that uh, that racial disparities do not exist. I mean, the Breonna Taylor thing is is part and parcel. It's it's the prime example. Can you speak to how the Breonna Taylor case uh, has been received by people you know? Because it's uh, and that's fairly local. That was Lexington, right? Uh, that was in Louisville, which Louisville, is the largest sorry, city. Yeah. yeah, Louisville. It's a city of a million people. Uh, uh, it's got a. I mean, the west side of Louisville has got a, a large black population. Um, and this was another thing like George Floyd, where it was so egregious, so blatant, so unnecessary. No one has stood against the Breonna Taylor. No one has had anything to say. It was an abuse of policing. It's another example where from here on out, those are just going to get called out. But without talk of uh, a step forward, like beyond, like, like are there people lo locally that you know calling for the convictions for these officers? I believe they've already been fired, but... They've already, and everybody has been. Yeah, everybody unanimous, unanimously has been. Nobody thought that this was a misunderstanding or a quick uh, escalation. It just wasn't. Brendan, could you could you say what the what happened in the case? Uh, Miss uh, Brianna Taylor, she was an EMT, I believe, and uh, she was sleeping in her home. A no knock warrant was issued for a, a different individual. Her apartment was mistook for the apartment of this individual. She was shot, I believe, seven times in her own home. Uh, an abuse of policing, an abuse of power, nothing more. I believe she was asleep. She, yes, I, I am. The ultimate horror. And then for, for a while, her boyfriend was implicated in it because they were like, oh, well, he's the, he's the top suspect because he's the closest man to her or whatever. Well, I believe he, sh he might have shot through the wall uh, in self-defense thinking he was going to get, um, like, thinking he was getting home invaded, which is perfectly understandable. He was. Uh, <laughs> he, yeah, was he was having home invaded, home invaded by the <laughs> yeah. state. It's, just, it's not different when the state does it versus when yeah. an individual does it. Give us more of a perspective on how people have responded to that that you know or the conversations and then build to uh, pro have there been protests uh, that you've noticed? Uh, there have been exactly three protests since I've been here, two, uh, two in Frankfurt, one in Louisville. Uh, interestingly enough, the one in Frankfurt had a, had a very large, uh, what's the word? Its reputation preceded it amongst the local population. Emails were sent out. It kind of speaks to the hysteria of things. Here's, a, here's an anecdote about this, uh, about this uh, uh, protest. Uh, uh, Dan, I don't know if you saw, we follow a New York street artist named Snowman on Instagram. He's one of my absolute favorites. I followed him on the Hog Planet account too. Uh, he was there. Oh, he was there. 
Yeah, he, he absolutely. He, he made his way all the way to Kentucky to be there. He's wow. making some of the best protest art that I've seen. Can you spell his spell? He spells it like S-N-O-E-M-A-N. Yeah, you can follow him. Uh, I believe it's at Real Snowman, S-N-O-E-M-A-N. Uh, he's a legend. He's an uptown Manhattan legend and I'm a Manhattan guy. Uh, so I'll shout him out as much as I can. Uh, so the Back to the protest in which he was at. Emails were sent around to... Uh, uh, Capital staff, state government staff. Frankfort World is a government town. It's the capital of Kentucky. If you're asked, you pretty much make your living for the state. Emails were sent out by supervisors prepping people for the threat of this incoming protest. I had somebody, a, a co-worker of my stepfather's come and show me this uh, email. And he wrote from him. I have seen demonstrations uh, of people with automatic rifles, grenade launchers, AK-47s. Never have I seen uh, an email sent out like this. The insight that I gleaned from that is that the color of these protesters were probably white. People send, tend to not be nervous when white people have guns, as we saw just with this story. Uh, as someone tell me the story of these people on the porch with guns. In St. Louis, I believe, right? Right, Sam? Yeah, I mean, porch is a, is a really uh, quaint term to use for this. Their house looks like a fucking museum. Uh, we, we initially, I, I called into Street Fight Radio to talk, and they asked me about that because um, the hosts of Street Fight Radio, Bre uh, Brett Payne and Brian Quimby, asked me if that was in D.C. because it looks like an embassy or something, but it's just their house. And I, I found also pictures of the inside of the home, and it's, it's exactly as, like, gaudy and... I mean, I want to say nouveau riche, but it's like something that like a fucking French noble would live in. And it's just like in a random gated neighborhood in St. Louis. So, yeah, those people were really wild outside on the front porch. The man with like an assault, like an, what looks like an automatic rifle. And then the wife holding like this weird little, like a little pistol or some kind of, but they're both just waving the piece around wildly at these protesters. And they have like these manic looks on their face. Yeah, I think it was Jason Concepcion yeah. from uh, The Ringer said that she looked like the Hamburglar because she had the Hamburglar <laughs> shirt. But, um, I mean, are, are the protests specifically tied to the Breonna Taylor murder or are they defund the police sort of thing? Like, what, what, is, what would you say is uh, the, 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 the have, have there been stated goals? No, stated goals have not been. Uh, it's mostly just protests against the the general abuse. Uh, No-knock warrants have been banned, which is a step. I can't believe that I'm having to say that's a step for no-knock warrants. Uh, you know, it's enshrined in the Constitution. But in terms of what we're seeing with defund the police, reappropriate funds for social programs, it's not gotten to step here yet. I think that it's going to have to be led by the more cities, for lack of a better word, because that's not the kind of thinking that they're doing down here. Um, I, I tell you an example, though, of what I've seen in Eastern Kentucky University, where I went, the police, the criminology program is one of the biggest in, around, regionally, maybe nationally. It's occurred to me, why would we not spend all of these government grants and things to in, into criminology, penology programs, reassess how criminal trends happen and what is the best way to focus them? Uh, uh, policing is not the only uh, uh, front in which criminology can be handled. I have, with all of the data that we have, I cannot believe that there's not a better solution than, uh, you know, having brutes walk around on the beat, you know. Right. And fully armed always. And now they have a giant military surplus, even in the small towns. 
Um, that should be talked about too. The government surplus, uh, sending it to the police departments at a discount. That's that's that seems like dirty money to me. They have Humvees in these in these small towns. It's like, what the fuck are you? You don't even know how to use them. No, and I'll say too. This so we talked earlier about maybe the class problem and the race problem in uh, in America. I wanted to say that I think here is the role that it has in the North, where in my experience. You don't see white poverty at the level you do down here. I live in New York City. I can really speak to that, where white poverty in Manhattan is non-existent. You are middle class or higher. So the white people in the North who don't see white poverty like this tend to say, well, it's not us, We're, you know, because they see white, white affluence or white middle classness. So it must be black people. Black people in New York don't see white poverty they see rich white people and so they think well they there's no way they could understand my experience being poor while it can't be said that we can ex understand the experience of being of color i feel like a good bridge to start sharing experiences is through the lens of shared poverty in america yeah totally i mean um dc is kind of similar i mean it's similar i would say to manhattan specifically because sure. dc itself is a small city relatively uh it's, mm. it doesn't have a huge amount of people within the city proper um the city proper is only the size of about brooklyn it's like 70 square miles more or less and uh it's a similar thing to what you described where vast majority of white people here are middle class or upper Whereas, um, you know, that doesn't extend to black people who still make up the majority of D.C., even though that's sure. changing because of how quickly gentrification is moving apace. I mean, even, you know, I'm not like rich by any standard, but, you know, my wife and I qualify definitely as like solidly middle class within D.C. As do me and my wife, you know, and within our neighborhood. And it's, uh, and, you know, as, as, a, as a duo. But um, but, yeah, I think there is something similar where like, people, you know, people black people here seem to think like all white people are rich because within dc that's probably true i mean most of the white people who don't earn enough to who work in the dc area but don't uh, earn enough to live within the district will live further out in virginia or in maryland and um that's where you also see you know the suburban segregation but um but no i think you have a point there definitely about specifically manhattan it's something i also think i see a little bit in dc yeah it, uh, white poverty is something, while it shouldn't be overstated and overplayed because uh, it's been proven time and time again that, it, it, that social mobility amongst white people is kind of easier. You know what I, I mean? I don't think even yeah. kind of easier. It's easier. It's easier. It's yeah. just easier. You know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, and, and we also have the, uh, the white population, I should say, uh, has the advantage of generational wealth being not uncommon. Generational wealth, especially here in, in, in uh, Kentucky, but also I'm sure all over the country, man, they, uh, uh, black folks especially have not had that long of a, of a crack at it. You know, it's been less, it's been 150 years and that's not enough time for really anybody to create generational wealth. Yeah, 150 years where they were sabotaged like the whole time uh, by things we described earlier. And then released with no infrastructure, you know? Right. Right. There was there wasn't like a jobs program or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, are, are there Confederate monuments near where you live? Uh, Confederate monuments. Kentucky is, a, is an interesting case because both Lincoln and Jefferson Davis were born here um, and less than 30 miles apart from each other. So Kentucky and Kentucky was a border state. And, and and like I've said, we're not Dixie to where we are like so very firmly racist. 
the attitude is pretty much that it, it, you will give anybody a chance, but also it's very quick. If, if you are of a different color than the other individual and you guys get into an argument, race is the first gun to be drawn. Mm. Usually that's the attitude. Kind of. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to compare to like, you know, Virginia, where uh, Virginia has a lot of Confederate monuments. It has a lot sure. of that history. Um, and it was like, I mean, it's, there are tons of battlefields, really easily accessible. Yeah, and we have two. We just have the two. <laughs> yeah, no, Virginia has a ton. Sure. And because, um, and, and I mean, the, it was the main front. It was, the, it was the, dis- the main disputed territory. It is also the stronghold of the Confederacy. Bro, both capitals are arguably in Virginia. Absolutely. And we... Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because sometimes I go to West Virginia for vacation to, mm. you know, to get out into like get, go get a cabin in the mountains or something. And you do see West Virginia broke off from Virginia when Virginia joined the Confederacy. And yeah. I'm not going to say you don't see Confederate flags out there, but you do see fewer. In Virginia, it's like it really is, like a, especially in like Southeast Virginia or Southwest Virginia, you start to see much more of like a uh, of a pride behind it. And a lot more people are like heritage, not hate. But uh Side note, I tend to also hate black people a good bit. Yeah, they'll, they'll go for the, they don't have to be convinced on the hate. They'll get there. I have to say, though, I'm surprised at the, um, the rapidness with which the Confederate flag has suddenly become unacceptable, like by NASCAR and like other prominent organizations. Well, what's on the side of every NASCAR is a thousand sponsors, sponsors, sponsors. It's all about yep. the money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They, they, it's, it's not amen- It's becoming unamenable to capital, which I mean, the outcome taking down the flag, which the Confederate flag, uh, as we know it, too, is anachronistic. It's not anything that was used during the Civil War. This is, you know, a nerdy point, like fact checking thing to bring up, because clearly these people don't really care about the historical significance. And the hate, not heritage thing is a is the worst kind of a historical dodge but um it 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 goes to show i mean it's becoming unamendable to capital so we might not see it much moving forward which i think is fine but it does also speak to like you were saying it's because it's not so much because it's the right thing to do it's because the sponsors want to shy away from it you know at the end of the day it is being shaped by the uh demands of capital yeah put a bow in my head before you convince me that a company cares about my feelings <laughs> no i mean uh, there's been some some embarrassing advertising and posting done by major corporations i think mcdonald's had a weird one yesterday where it was did you see that sam yeah was are you talking about like how they changed their twitter to yes something complete I, I have to pull it up because it was something completely absurd it's it, I, it's i don't want to get it wrong because it's like this is a company that like <laughs> barely pays employees no health insurance uh feeds the country just garbage um interpersonally like have you had any conversations that you know you want to get off your chest on the podcast i mean of course and i didn't think that it would happen in my family because i mean look i'm the only one who moved to new york but at the same time i moved there because i can't exist here for one reason or another uh and i thought we all kind of respected that distance we got to talking and of course, tippers flared. That being said, uh, we've come to now an uneasy understanding that we can't live as the other one does because of who we are. Uh, so it's a begrudging respect, I would say. Not to say that anybody has said anything so egregious or so hate-filled that uh, I could not abide it. Well, I, but doesn't it feel sometimes like when you have these conversations, um that even hearing a positive word about the police just knowing what they're doing i will say there have been no positive words about the police oh well that's good 
Nice. Yes, there have been zero. Because the cops in Frankfurt, Kentucky, I need you to know, I'm sure there's some great guys who go home and kiss their wife on the forehead and then go to bed at night. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure. But that is not – if you are getting – no matter your color, if you're getting pulled over by a Frankfurt police officer, you're saying, here we goddamn go. Yeah. They plant. It's, 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 not, it's not uncommon at all for them to plant on you uh, in your own home, let alone your own car. I can't because we're also the capital and the state police are based here as well. The, the internal affairs is dog shit. I mean, it's just they are they have the power. They know they have the power in a place where power is hard to come by, like Kentucky. What who's going to check? them? Yeah, that's something that we talked about. Um, we've talked about it in a couple of the episodes where we've covered these uprisings is the extent to which the police act like a gang uh, and especially in like cities like what I mean what you're describing here it sounds like this exact right word to use um, mm. even to the point that like in, in DC I talked about how they they've been kind of fighting turf wars with the protesters like Muriel Bowser the mayor managed to put the you know the big Black Lives Matter mural on 16th Street right in front of the White House and renamed it Black Lives Matter Plaza but days later, the police were kettling people in that area, using tear gas, using pepper spray, beating people, even as they're being filmed, like there's, you know, stomping all over the mural at this point, both literally and metaphorically with their actions. And it becomes this thing where you start to see it's like, they, they're like, okay, you won this battle, but we're coming back to take it in. And it's, it's, it's exactly the sort of stuff that, you know, people say gangs do. Yeah, it's a turf war. Yeah. Yeah, I... I... I think that what we're not looking for, and, and these murals and things like that are, are symbols which are incredibly important uh, in the way of inspiration. Inspiration gets bodies on the street. Inspiration gets donations uh, into accounts. Uh, what those things need to fund, though, is systemic change, which is what we're seeing with the defund the police. I hope that for every mural that we see uh, in that same city, we see a campaign for actual systemic change. I like that we're living in it. I used to be very wishy-washy about this, very let's uphold the status quo because it's the least dangerous to the least amount of people. That has proven false. So uh, now the time for revolution is here. I'm very excited about that. Dan, we've been friends for a long time. I told my family the other night, my buddy Dan was made for these times. He's been waiting for this revolution for a long time. Oh my God. I've been talking about revolution to you. Since I've known him. <laughs> No, uh, no, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Well, when we went all the way back at End of Man, they were calling him Zapata. <laughs> oh, that temp job was awful. Um, yeah, when are you coming back to New York? Any ever? Oh, gosh, Dan. I'm going to tell you ASAP, my man. It is, uh, uh, we have oh. one day, we are now formulating our plan, our, our plan for escape, uh, like the Von Traps themselves. Uh, we're, our plan for flight uh, back to the city, we hope to be back by the end of this month when phase four hits assuming we're all good little boys and girls up there wearing our masks. If you want me back, you got to behave, all right? I got like six of them. Big assumption to make. Yeah. Well, that's good of you, Dan, for you to have six of them that you wear all at one time. That's, that's good. That's true. I, I cover my entire <laughs> face, my eyes, um, and I wear one over my, um, you know, cod piece area. Oh, God. Um, is the, yeah, is there anything else you want to add before we close things out here, Brendan? I mean, this was, this was an illuminating conversation for us. Yeah. I think that the best thing that anybody can do if they want to understand, the best thing to do to fix this is to bridge gaps. The best way to bridge gaps is to understand other points of view. And the best way to get other points of view is to leave where you're from. I know a lot of New York people who are also very small town people. You got to get out there and you've got to, I say this having only seen the South and, uh, and uh, the Northeast. 
I'm sure the Midwest is very different for me and they've got maybe a more subtle viewpoint than I have. You got to get out there and you've got to see shit that is not your own or you're doomed. Yeah, and even within your own region, because something that sure. Dan and I talked about is how people in the suburbs in New York and D.C., a lot of which are white flight suburbs, a lot of those people moved out there because they're scared of, you know, this imagined black crime in, in the city center. They get, like, like some of the worst um, takes I've heard on the on the D.C. protests have been from people who live in the suburbs here, and they've, like, they're, like, they're looting and riding the whole downtown. I'm like, you know, I live a mile from the downtown here. I mean, it's really mm. not as bad as you're saying at all. Sure. And also, I mean, you know, if, someone, if someone breaks some windows in a Nordstrom rack, it doesn't really affect me at all. It barely even affects the Nordstrom rack company. So I, I'm Went not worried employees. about it. But yeah, you, you, a lot of these people who like self-isolate, even within their own regions, they start to develop these like preconceived notions about people who live like 10 miles away from them. You know? Oh, bro. Well, like, that's Kentucky. They all, this, we, we've been very impressive some, somewhat in our response to the COVID virus and how we've isolated and flattened our curve. You know what people in Kentucky love to do? Not leave their goddamn property. They hole up in a holler. I'm not even, I mean, it's not a stereotype. You find, if you want, have money, you find a holler that you can buy that is 50, you know, 10 acres to 50 acres. You do not leave and you create a life for yourself. People do not like people coming onto their property or points of view coming onto their property. No, strip. That's, that's also why I like West Virginia as a place to go to because people have sure. a similar mentality out there because they're out in the hills. Um, and even mm-hmm. though it's like, it's it's whiter there than it is in Virginia. Uh, people just like I don't know have like a little bit more of an attitude of like you're he- like we're here to let you alone, which you know is better for yes. someone like me coming and going, especially like a you know city slicker and everything. But but don't Brandon, don't you think? That, I mean, you know, studio apartment in uh, Brooklyn here. Uh, you mm. know, I-, I wouldn't mind a few acres. You know, I-, I could see the appeal. No, and I'll tell you this: there's a lot about Southern culture that is very worth preserving. The non-racist elements of Southern culture, Kentucky culture especially, is so worth preserving. Um, there's a lot. So even Second Amendment rights, we can get into that for a second. People have guns down here. People use them to hunt. Mm-hmm. Hunting is the better way to go. There is no land cleared for deer. You eat a deer for three or four months. You know what I'm saying? And you went out and killed it yourself, which has a bit more, let's say, honor if we're being stupid about it. Not to mention, if the cops are armed, you, the people have every right to be armed and be armed. should be. You, yeah, you know. and know how to operate a gun. And I honestly, in a country where there is the Second Amendment exists, I think it's a responsibility. Not teach it in schools or anything like that, but educate yourself. Teach yourself Spanish and teach yourself how to shoot a gun. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, I've been, I've, I've been, re, I've been relearning Spanish. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not in a neighborhood where everybody speaks Spanish anymore. I, I do, I, you know, I miss it. And in the meantime, uh, you know, I've got uh, I've got uh, Telemundo down here. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think this is a pretty for as far as lefties go, we're a pretty pro Second Amendment uh, podcast over here. I don't see anything wrong with like individuals owning guns as long as it's not like you know the formation of racist militias, which is unfortunately what you see a lot of the time. Or like yeah, just the St. Louis idiots on their you know on their yeah. giant you know like. Like, I would say that pointing your AK-47 at a bunch of protesters is not using the firearm responsibly. Any responsible gun owner, yeah. That's not a, re- a well-regulated militia, which is what the Second <laughs> Amendment actually says. I mean, not to get too originalist here, but looking at those people, I'm like, I think you're missing one or two of the, like, stipulations you need to have checked off before you start waving that piece around. I mean, the, the word down here is, boy, don't point a gun unless you intend to fire it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I like wise that. words. 
Yeah. So, but that's what I have guys. It was great to talk to you. Um, I hope, uh, I hope that uh, things continue to improve. Uh, like I say, we're living in revolutionary times, which is so much better than a time of stagnation. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to you guys uh, on the other side of all this. Yeah, right? no, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll protest together. Uh, once you, once you get back to New York, we'll do it. I will say so that no one can accuse me of fronting. I've not been to any protests. I have an infant son who I don't want to give uh, uh, COVID, but in the meantime, I'm doing what I can with what I've got, where I'm at. And I've been donating like crazy. Do that if you can. If you cannot be at a protest, donate to a cause that you have verified and trusted. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's um, no reason to be expecting everybody and their, you know, in the world to be on the front line of the protest. It's like we got, we got to have like diversity of tactics about this. We don't need yeah. like everybody out because then you know people start accusing you of ableism and stuff when you start to say like, oh, everybody should go to one. It's like no, nah, everybody has a role to play. It doesn't necessarily yeah. involve putting your body on the line. Yeah, and honestly, I think as as we're all three white chaps here, I don't know if we necessarily want to gentrify a Black Lives Matter rally, you know? <laughs> no, no, you always defer to the black organizers at the Black Lives Matter rally. So, yeah, make a donation. If that's what you can do, that's what you can do. Yep. Uh, yes, well, thank you, Brendan. Do you have anything to plug while we're here? Oh, gosh, uh, I'll be in my living room uh, tonight from 7 to 8. You can find me there all week. Uh, go to my website for dates. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I think uh, I think we went through a lot today, Sam. Uh, are, did we find that McDonald's thing? Uh, they changed it back, but I, I, I need I would need to dig up a screenshot of when they changed their display name to something really egregious. We can put it in the show notes if anyone's super interested in it. Interesting. Um, well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the Hog Planet. And before we end the show, just want to remind you, we're doing bonus content on Patreon now, patreon.com slash hogplanet. Follow us on Instagram at hogplanetpod or hogplanetpodcast, Sam? Hogplanet po at hogplanetpodcast, absolutely. There we go. And uh, once again, Brendan, uh, you know, I, I uh, am happy we were able to get, get this done today. <laughs> yep, suey, gentlemen. Suey. Uh, all right, Gavones, this is Hog Planet. I, I just noticed it came across the wire like 15, 20 minutes ago. It looks like McGrath won over Booker. No! Damn. Some of them are, yeah, some news outlets Ugh. are already calling it for. Fuck! Um, yeah, New York Times called Those it old 25 minutes ago. Oh, yeah, man. you're right, man. I might, have to, I might have to leave this part of the show. I agree, but. <laughs> <laughs>